If it please the court, I'm Peter Margulies of Roger Williams University, along with Brad Berenson and Bobby Chesney. I submitted a brief that supports the constitutionality of the material support statute. That brief was done on behalf of scholars, attorneys, and former public officials. What we said in our brief is that Congress passed the material support statute, otherwise known as 2339B, because it knew that designated foreign terrorist organizations like Al-Qaeda and Hamas, which are called DFTOs, accept cash and services for superficially harmless purposes and then exploit that support in planning and executing acts of violence. For example, providing free services to a DFTO allows the group to defray costs and shift resources from nominally nonviolent activities to violent activities. Therefore, in 2339B, Congress defined material support to include not just instrumentalities of violence like explosives, but also the provision of personnel, services, training, and expert advice or assistance. By doing this, Congress sought to deprive DFTOs of both direct and indirect benefits, as it had done previously with state sponsors of terrorism like Iran. Some of the conduct that petitioners in this case propose would directly assist a DFTO's financing or violent capabilities. For example, petitioners have stated that they want to help the Tamil Tigers, or LTTE, of Sri Lanka obtain tsunami-related aid from international bodies. But helping a DFTO obtain cash is no different from giving it yourself. The LTTE has demanded in the past that families receiving their assistance perform services in return, including providing the LTTE with child soldiers. Moreover, once the LTTE receives the aid, there are few constraints in practice on how it actually spends the cash. The Constitution does not require Congress to trust that DFDOs will comply with accepted accounting standards or international norms. DFDO's track record demonstrates that they have done neither. Courts have long recognized that Congress has broad power to regulate commerce with hostile foreign powers. In exercising that power, Congress can act to deprive hostile nations of indirect benefits, for example, through regulating tourism to other countries, again like Iran or like Cuba. Curbing the flow of indirect financial benefits to DFTOs is merely an extension of this same principle. It's also important to note that when Congress exercises power in enacting the material support statute, it crafted the statute to protect constitutional rights. As a result, the statute has a number of exceptions that will allow the petitioners to do much of what they want. The statute permits independent advocacy, such as arguing in the press that Hamas or the Tamil Tigers are doing good and that they're fighting governments that deserve to be overthrown. The statute also permits expressive membership undertaken to express one's affiliation with the group, independent fact-finding by human rights groups, and legal representation, including the submission of amicus briefs and advice to DFTOs on compliance with state, federal, and international law. That would include the training in nonviolence that petitioners propose. Instead of taking yes for an answer, the petitioners argue that the statute is vague. This court's precedents tell us that the statute is not vague if a person of ordinary intelligence knows the difference between what the statute permits and prohibits. This statute prohibits training 
which it defines as sharing knowledge about a specific skill. Sharing general knowledge, on the other hand, is not training under the statute. A person of ordinary intelligence would know that the statute prohibits imparting knowledge tailored to the group's own operations. Knowledge of this kind gives the DFTO a benefit not readily available elsewhere. For example, suppose someone gives Hamas an English dictionary. That's general knowledge, available on countless websites. The statute doesn't prohibit this conduct. However, suppose that this individual knowingly teaches Hamas how to fill out United States immigration documents. Sharing that information would allow Hamas operatives to enter the country. The statute prohibits the teaching of such specific skills. A person of ordinary intelligence can readily grasp the difference. Finally, the statute passes muster under intermediate scrutiny. Measures having an incidental impact on speech are constitutional if they meet three conditions. They must be content neutral, further an important governmental goal, and be reasonably tailored to achieve that goal. The framework adopted by Congress easily meets these criteria. It allows individuals to speak independently, regardless of content. It addresses the vital problem of terrorist financing. Moreover, weaker measures will fail to achieve Congress's purpose, given the difficulty of enforcing U.S. laws directly against groups that operate abroad. For the aforementioned reasons, this Court should find that 2339B is not void for vagueness and is consistent with the First Amendment. That will protect constitutional rights and preserve an important weapon in the fight against terrorism.